Welcome, everyone. I'm Leon Doran, CEO and President of PO Leadership. I'm a business leader with over 25 years experience and part of North America's premier network and advisory committee. Today on Snippets, a podcast about confronting the business challenges and growth challenges that not only have been brought on by COVID-19, we're talking with Jill Selmanovitz. Oh my God, did I pronounce that wrong, Jill Selmanovitz? It's Zell Manovitz. <laughs> yeah, Zell Well, Jill, it's great to have you with us here today. Nice to be here. And what I was hoping is maybe just to start, have you share a little bit of your journey, uh, your career journey, because it, it's not a, a sort of a straightforward path in terms of where you landed today. No, I actually started off in law. So I practiced uh, on Bay Street, corporate commercial litigation and shifted from there into working in poverty law. So similar, did a lot of tribunal hearings uh, and worked for a community legal clinic. And while I was doing that work, I was on the board of directors of the international organization, which is the World Association of Girl Guides and Girl Scouts. And I loved that work and started thinking that I might be a little bit I might be liking that work a little bit more than I was liking my day job at the time and really started to get interested in nonprofit management. And uh, I had been involved with Girl Guides of Canada. I'd been a board member in the early 2000s and um, saw the job for CEO posted and thought might be interesting to apply. And that way I would sort of get an idea of what they were looking for at the interview and then um, was thrilled to find myself in the job. Certainly my legal training helped, but I didn't really have the traditional MBA management background that a lot of CEOs have. And I also hadn't moved up through the organization as as CEOs often do. So it was quite a steep learning curve for me. And uh, now I'm almost four years in. I know it's amazing. I I remember when, I I think it was Sharon Avery that introduced us. That's right. to, To reach out to you. What can, what can you share with us? I mean, it's just so different probably to what you were, you were in a governance role when you're set on the boards and then you were in a legal role prior to that. What's it like as a CEO managing Girl Guides of Canada here? Well, the managing is the biggest difference. So both in law um, and, and, you know, certainly in, in, in board positions, it's less of a management type role. And certainly in law, it, it was both at a Bay Street law firm and a legal clinic, which in the legal world, you really can't get further apart than those two places to practice. But in both of those situations, it really was more like you are working for your own clients than that you're working in a team with other lawyers. And so it is, it is a bit of a, you do the best you can and you reap the benefits of how well you do. But it's less of a, a team atmosphere. And in the nonprofit world, it is exactly the opposite, where you are only as good as your team. And you actually can't really accomplish anything in a solo way. You have to be relying on your team. So that's a shift. And, um, and because of that, I think all the time I read a lot about leadership, because I, I really think that, that that is the key to success in, in this area of employment. And it's something that um, law school, I would say, and the practice of law don't necessarily prepare you for. What was, um, 
the transition's interesting. So what would have been in the early days as you transitioned over, what were some of the key lessons even for yourself that you learned in terms of sort of reaching out and becoming that leader of that organization? Um, I guess I would start with the, the sort of knowing yourself and I hadn't done a lot. I had done a little bit of, um, of leadership. You know, we had done Myers-Briggs at my law firm back when I was an articling student. Um, and so it, it was diving into that area again, which I hadn't really been involved in. So really understanding yourself and then knowing, you know, knowing how to, I guess, guess, get the best out of that. And I hadn't really, I hadn't really done that in a while, I would say, in my practice of law. So that was, um, that was certainly one thing that was a big change as I transitioned. And then this whole teamwork, like realizing very quickly that the, the single biggest factor in our success at Girl Guides of Canada was the senior leadership team and how well we performed together. So it was very much about creating that team. And I, again, I hadn't really been trained in, in all of the things like culture and teamwork and uh, belonging and how you create that. Um, I, I, I'm very good on the result side I, because that's what I'm trained for. But there's a whole lot of soft stuff that I think I was missing and that takes discipline to work on. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I was so thrilled mm -hmm. on PEO because that's, um, I learned so much from the people in my group about that very thing. What's funny, that's probably the, uh, I'm an accountant by background, so that talks professional services. They don't really teach you nope. about the most important thing, and that's really engaging and being able to inspire a team to actually perform. Exactly. And if you forget that, you're like doomed because nobody does anything for you. Exactly. So uh, recently, so, you know, COVID-19 times, the charitable sector really, really under tremendous stress, pressure. Uh, we're hearing that not just, you know, when you and I talk about it, but also when I talk to other leaders in the industry and in the sector. How has it affected you guys? Uh, and how are you dealing with the stress of it? Because there, there must be a huge amount of stress right now going through you and the organization. There is. There is. I mean, that is one thing that law teaches you very well to deal with is, is that stress. Um, so for Girl Guides, COVID came at a very difficult time. It hit all four of our revenue streams very hard, but in particular, it hit our cookie sales, which is our primary way that we fundraise for the organization and fund everything that happens in the organization. So basically, um, the pandemic hit after our cookies had left our baker. They had been distributed mostly to, to the girls across the country. That's 95,000 places across the country. And then the social distancing protocols came into place. So at that moment, the girls were unable to sell any of the cookies. So it was sort of the worst of all worlds. And we immediately needed to pivot and figure out another solution. Um, that solution, um, very interestingly, came through... Um, so I have to say, so when it first happened, my PEO group started meeting every week and I just couldn't even be in those first two meetings because everything was so dire. I had explained in a very short email what was going on, but through contacts on that actual, in that actual group, 
um, Girl Guides of Canada was able to make contact with different retailers. And then as most people have seen in the press, we had this groundswell of support from retailers who came forward and offered to sell our cookies. Basically, they were, you know, they were in a situation where they just sort of said that they, uh, they, you know, had a place to sell. We had a product, but were unable to sell them and that they'd be willing to step up and to sell them for us, which was amazing because I have to say in, in all of the retailers that I spoke to, and I think we've now dealt with 26 retailers across the country, but with wow. all, not one of them ever said, so how should we profit share this? How do we figure out how much, you know, Canadian Tire gets versus how much Girl Guides or how much Metro gets versus how much Girl Guides gets? Um, they, every single one of them was, we will give you whatever money that that brownie would make when she knocks on, on your door, we'll give you that much. So it was, it was amazing and, and actually quite inspiring. I've thought many times, there's no way that we could have pulled this off in normal times but there was just such a need and, and the retailers really stepped up. So are you following, how long has this been now? Like how many weeks has, has it been in, let's say the metros of the world today? So the metros have only been in about two weeks, um, okay. about two weeks now. It, it actually started out West with uh, one franchise, Canadian Tire franchise owner in Leduc, Alberta, was the first one wow. who just knew leader and she had boxes and boxes of cookies in her living room and I guess was sharing the difficulty of how she couldn't get rid of them and he felt badly so he said oh just bring them into the store and then and then it sort of spread from there so we have been in retailers since since the end of March and and the funny thing so I didn't really know a lot about the retail world but the funny thing is that they're um, they're quite competitive with each other so when we started sort of talking to them um, you know, when one came on and then particularly when some of the bigger ones came on, then, you know, we got calls from the other ones saying, you know, we'd love to help you out too. And, you know, sort of saying, so, you know, what Sobe's telling you, how many weeks from when they pick them up to when they can get them in the, in the store or how many days. And I would sort of say, well, you know, we're thinking about a week. I'll say, well, in 72 hours, we can get them on, on the, on the floor. So it was, it was really impressive. That's amazing. And the sell through, I know lots of members are going into these stores and, and buying them. So are they all selling through? They're selling. Yeah. They've been reporting back to us how, how the sales are going and apparently they are flying off the shelves, which is great. Cause of course for us, you know, finding the retailers is obviously the first step, but if Canadians aren't buying the cookies, but um, I think, and, and we were worried about that because with all the protocols in grocery stores and, the arrows and directions, people don't necessarily pick up those sort of extra things. So we were worried that, you know, since you're following a list, you might not have Girl Guide cookies on your list, but they've really been selling well. So we're thrilled. So let me ask you, and this is, I know I'm just throwing this out and you haven't even thought about this, but, or you have, but you didn't know I was going to ask you the question. The world is changing. You've had to you hit the retailers now. It's been fantastic. They've been contributing all the proceeds to you what's the future look like? Are you digitizing as well? Like is the new world going to see a different way that girl guides, girl guides of Canada actually does some of its fundraising or even selling their cookies? Yeah. So I would say two parts to that. So the product itself is girl empowerment and we deliver that in person in groups, usually with weekly meetings where the girls get together. And we really do feel strongly that, 
the secret sauce of Girl Guides is that in-person connection. So although like many places we've been pivoting to do, you know, we have all, all of our program is online. We've actually invited any, any girl across the country to try some of our programming, not just members. And many guiders have been connecting with girls through Zoom. We have a virtual campfire. We're having a great Canadian camp in to end off the guiding year in June. So it's, um, it is possible to do, but for us, it really is a, uh, a gap filler as opposed to a way that we want to change the way we deliver. So the, the way we deliver that in-person, having a female mentor for girls is actually really important. So that, and that is what we are hoping very much for the fall that we'll be back to in-person guiding. If not, we will again continue to fill the gap with virtual, but, but the product will be delivered in person when we're back. Now cookies is, is different. So there is the thought that we may move that business online in terms of, um, so Girl Scout cookies in the USA, they sell a lot online. So it's girls who have their own cookie selling pages. They design, they design the page, they come up with their sort of sales pitch, they make budgets, they order the cookies. And then they sell them and you go online and you order them sort of like you would support a girl in Canada to run a race or something like that. And um, it's very effective in terms of not only selling the cookies without the risk of in-person door to door, but also in teaching them all of the empowerment skills that comes with essentially running your own business. So it's, it's the skills of, of budgeting, of setting up this website, of making the pitch to people and then of delivering on on the order that they that they make so it's um it's great skill building the economy is certainly moving in that direction so i think parents are thrilled to see the the skills that they get by doing this so that's where we're really looking at pivoting that's that's wonderful jill i want to thank you for sharing your stories with us and also for the work that you're doing i mean you're creating the next generation of leaders really the, the women you got to, you're starting both men and women, but you start with them when they're young kids and you're doing a wonderful job. Thanks, Leon. Being the charge. If you're interested in some other snippets that we've done, or you want to consider looking at the way forward, some of the live webcasts we've been doing, please visit us at www.po leadership with a hyphen in between. You'll be able to see some of our previous recordings that may include Janice Stein, Rosabeth Cantor, where we talk about things like mental health, rent negotiations, stimulant package, and a whole host of others. Thanks very much for joining us today.